Hello, and welcome to the Artificial Intelligence in Drug Discovery podcast. My name is Simon Smith, and I'm your host. On this episode, I speak with Mustafa Benhenda, a vocal critic of AI in drug discovery hype. In January, Mustafa wrote a controversial article critiquing the work of several research labs. He had two main arguments. First, that AI used to generate novel compounds weren't generating as much novelty as their creators claimed. And second, that proprietary AI tools that researchers built for drug discovery were probably no better than more general, open-source alternatives. At the time, some readers accused Mustafa of using the article just to promote his service, StartCrowd, which helps researchers and investors navigate technology hype to make better decisions. But others agreed with his criticisms, and some have taken steps to address them. I caught up with Mustafa to learn what prompted the article, how the field has evolved since he wrote it, where he sees things going in the next year, and more. This episode is brought to you by BenchSci. BenchSci uses artificial intelligence to reduce the cost of scientific experiments. Use it to find research antibodies up to 24 times faster than using PubMed or Google Scholar. Just enter a protein of interest and filter by technique, organism, tissue, or 13 other options. BenchSci returns only relevant published figures and products. It's free for researchers in academic and nonprofit institutions. You can sign up at BenchSci.com. If you work in industry, just use the contact form on BenchSci.com to reach out for a demo. And now, on to the interview. Hi, Mustafa. Welcome to the podcast. Hi, Simon. So thank you for joining me. Uh, I know we, we have a limited amount of time today, so I really want to get right into it here. Uh, I, I already introduced to people the background and the article that you wrote a few months ago that kicked off quite a controversy and a lot of commentary in the community. So before we talk about that, what's your background specifically? Um, initially, my background is in uh, mathematics, so I have a PhD in mathematics. And uh, then I just learned coding uh, on internet with online courses. So on machine learning and so on uh, with online courses. So that's my background. It, it looks like you, I mean, you, you say that, but just you, you did some online courses, but your knowledge seems to be quite in-depth of various uh, neural network architectures and specifically related to artificial intelligence in drug discovery. And then, so what got you interested in AI and drug discovery? Uh, it's because uh, I was mentoring students at a university and uh, they asked me to do, some, to do some project in AI for medicine. So I started to read about it to give them a, a project. And uh, that's how I got interested in, in this uh, field. And then uh, I uh, had some idea to go further and then that's how I... I, I went into the research. Hmm. So, so you were mentoring students in the area and then something prompted you to write that Medium post critiquing a number of papers that came out recently. Uh, well, this came after the Medium post. It came when I, uh, so I presented my research at a chemical company and then um, the, the person who invited me, he, uh, we started to talk about AI and drug discovery 
And uh, he was telling me that he's receiving a lot of offers by AI companies, but that he was a little bit skeptical about them. And uh, then I told him it was normal because the field was a little bit overhyped and so on. And uh, he asked me to write a guest post about it. And uh, because he told me it was not so common uh, in, the, in the press to, to hear this opinion. And that's how I wrote this guest post. So it, was, it started as a guest post for, um, for the, the blog called the Biopharma Trend. So it started, as this, uh, uh, it started like that. Hmm. Yes. So can you summarize the arguments that you made in that article for listeners? Uh, so basically, the argument um, is uh, is quite, I think, quite broad. It's about that uh, researchers they usually uh, very overhype their achievements in AI for drug discovery, and uh, the, the 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 particularity of the blog post is that I gave specific examples. So uh, especially two examples that attracted attention. The first was uh, I started to discuss about the research made at Harvard by uh, the professor Alana Spuruguzic, who is a pretty famous professor and who is now at the University of Toronto. Mm -hmm. And I gave specific uh, examples that his, uh, his research was not, um, he was not achieving what he's claiming to do. So that was my point about uh, generative models in, uh, in, in AI models. So how, uh, so he, he, he presented a, a research how, um, how to generate new leads, uh, new molecules with AI. And I showed that uh, actually these this new molecules were not very, uh, there was not a lot of diversity in these new molecules. It was always kind of the same molecule who was always generated. So it was it's pretty annoying. <laughs> That's the first thing. Yes, yes, because you generate a whole stream of molecules, but, but if all those molecules are the same, it's pretty embarrassing. And so that's why it gets some, um, some, uh, some attention because that's what I uh, showed. And it was coming from like, some, some celebrity, some like famous professor, and that's why I, I think it got attention. And the second point in this blog was about uh, the research made at Stanford, who also, uh, so it's also another famous professor called Vijay Pandey. Who uh, made a, who who built a whole uh, framework in deep learning, like in AI, to um, to predict the activity of molecules. But uh, the thing is that he didn't compare his at that time he didn't compare his framework with uh, uh, like uh, just general AI uh, software. So he made the software specific for chemistry, but he didn't show that this software was better than. Uh, just general AI, uh, software in AI. Mm -hmm. And uh, so that's why uh, it, uh, it, it, so that was my argument. I said that he compared it with many different softwares except the most like And uh, what is funny is that uh, one week after this blog post, uh, he uh, updated his, uh, his tests, like his benchmark, and he found that actually his software is, uh, is having broadly the same performance as uh, the general software in AI. Mm -hmm. Do you get my point? Yeah, I do. The two of them. And just to clarify for listeners, so not everybody listening will have that much of a background in the technology. But the first 
a point about diversity is that here we were trying to use, in that case, they were trying to use machine learning to generate novel, uh, novel chemical compounds. So you're training, uh, you're training on, let's say, 20,000 samples of chemicals and then trying to generate some new ones. And your point is that you're not generating a lot of novelty. You're generating things that are like very slightly different, like the difference between you know, a word with four letters and a word with five letters, but they're basically the same word. And then the second point is that uh, somebody built a whole framework when they could have used something off the shelf available, an open source tool like TensorFlow, rather than create something completely new. And it may even be better just to use the baseline one. Is that a correct interpretation of the two? Yes, exactly, exactly. It's exactly the point. Right. Um, so you, you, as you mentioned, you, you got a, a lot of uh, a reaction and attention because there, there is a tremendous amount of hype here. And why do you think that people were, you, you ruffled a lot of feathers, you caused a lot, a lot of the comments that came back were very critical, uh, not just of your arguments, but of your motivations. Why do you think you touched such a nerve in the community? Uh, I think it's just because there's a, one reason, there's a lot of money in this business now. We see like some companies raising like hundreds of millions of dollars. So basically, uh, it's about business. I think a lot of this about business, that if you criticize the business, they react. I think it's one reason. And, uh, but I think the thing is why I, I received a lot of uh, sympathetic comments too. Mm -hmm. I think that's important also to say. I think it's because, yes, a lot of, in my impression, a lot of chemists, because basically you see this AI for drug discovery is the meeting of two different communities, the community of AI who are doing like developers and uh, like math and so on, and the community of chemists who are more uh, into drug discovery. So that's, this topic is at the intersection of these two communities. And uh, pretty often uh, the people who are in AI were more critical of my um, article and people who were into chemistry more, were more supportive, I think, like overall. Like, of course, there are people on both sides, but uh, like statistically, that was my impression. So um, I think people were, um, but specifically the labs who were criticized, they, of course, they, 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 they were not happy like the like Harvard, Stanford, and so on. So that's pretty uh, expected. But on the other hand, uh, people who are in chemistry, they, uh, they, they pretty much welcome this criticism because uh, they feel that uh, people in AI are trying to sell them AI, but they feel something is going wrong, but they don't know. They don't have the expertise in AI to answer. And so I think that's why uh, my blog post was interesting because it gave some arguments on the other side of people who are like uh, skeptical about AI, but they don't usually don't have the background to make in-depth criticism of it. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned some good points too that I've, uh, I've seen myself. There was so much hype even in the beginning with IBM Watson. And at that time I was working in a consulting firm where some of our pharmaceutical company clients were, were, were working or talking to IBM and IBM was coming to them and, and saying, you know, do you have any use cases for Watson? What can you do with Watson? And there was a lot of interest because in the market at that time, after IBM Watson's Jeopardy win, uh, a lot of people were paying attention and nobody wanted to be left behind. But as we've seen, the use cases didn't really materialize. 
and then the interest suddenly died off and I think now IBM is suffering from a backlash against that. And part of what you're doing is to a certain extent inoculating people because if AI gets too hyped in drug discovery and then it doesn't live up to the expectations, it might get abandoned prematurely. So I think that was a, a good service. Were any of the responses that you received helpful or did were you able to engage with any of the labs or researchers that you critiqued in order to get, you know, move the, the field forward in a productive way? Uh, the lab specifically uh, that I criticized, they didn't answer like, uh, uh, like uh, scientifically. They were just, in my impression, they were just angry and nothing more. But on the other hand, I received interesting, uh, it engaged, uh, it spurred uh, interesting debates with other labs that I didn't even hear about. Like, for example, a lab in Austria, like in Linz University, which I didn't hear about it. And they uh, built up uh, on my uh, work and they tried to, to design new metrics for these uh, that were most lacking. So how to evaluate like uh, rigorously those generative models. So from other universities, I received also uh, interesting feedback from Japan, like Tokyo uh, universities, they built a new model that seems to be better than, uh, that doesn't have this problem. That is uh, designed differently and that generates more diverse molecule uh, uh, because of this different design. So, um, so yes, I received a lot of interesting comments from different, um, interesting feedback from different uh, labs. But uh, unfortunately, not a lot from the, the main protagonists. Your, your point there about a, a better way to measure or benchmark the results is important. And I, I want to talk about that for a second because... We've seen in other areas of machine learning, like with image recognition, so the ImageNet database, and uh, with other things like Q&A, question answering, and so on, that having a common benchmark allows different labs to compete for the same goal and allows us to see where progress is really being made. So are you saying that there haven't been good benchmarks, but maybe now we're moving into an area where there are some common standard benchmarks, or have there been benchmarks before? Yes, yes, I, uh, I think that's a good point of this blog that it's, it attracted attention on the importance of uh, having good metrics for benchmarks. So, uh, because before people uh, were uh, too much into models, everyone is trying to make the most fancy model as possible, but the metric to evaluate the model is usually not, uh, sophistic not um, sophisticated enough. So now I think that we are entering into an era where... Uh, uh, the community is giving more attention to the metrics and uh, we see different metrics emerging in the literature. And uh, so I'm pretty optimistic about this, that then uh, with uh, uh, like better metrics, you will really have good ways to benchmark models and uh, really know where the model is good and where the model is bad. So what's the service you offer related to AI in drug discovery, Mustafa? Uh, so uh, I provide uh, an, an advice service, a service uh, to advise uh, investors or pharma companies who are willing to um, to get involved in this area. 
and uh, it's a, a service of uh, to review the the research made by uh, labs in AI for drug discovery because we see a lot of labs who are like uh, it's it's hard to see which which labs are doing solid research and which ones are just doing hype. So this service is helping them to uh, to distinguish between the two. And after you wrote your article, were you contacted by a number of prospective clients in pharmaceutical or biotechnology companies? Yes, I was contacted by, uh, especially by uh, investors who are uh, willing to, uh, to invest in some uh, AI for drug discovery companies. And they ask for my um, opinion about the research. And as you go about then working to evaluate some of that research, what are some of the challenges you find in looking through the research and determining how valid uh, the research might be and helping investors determine whether or not an investment is warranted? What are the biggest challenges you face currently? Um, this, this work is pretty much time consuming. You need a lot of time to evaluate research. It's you um, it's uh, so it's basically a matter of time that um, to evaluate the, the research of a lab it, it's it's not just something uh, that is done uh, at the first way or uh, the first uh, reading of the paper for example it really needs to know the context and what is going on around so basically the challenge is uh, that uh, yes it's time consuming job but worth it um, so you've seen a lot of trends then in, in how things are proceeding from the research perspective in AI and drug discovery. Where do you think things are going to go in the next six to 12 months? And I don't want to look beyond that because who knows, it moves so fast. But what do you think we're likely to see happen in the next six to 12 months within the field? Uh, I think what will happen is um, maybe there will be less uh, less uh, because now the, I think the market is more um, critical, so I think that we will see less uh, people entering this uh, this field. That it will not be like the gold rush that we've seen uh, before, and that uh, we will see some yes, basically the same um, topics will continue to develop. So the, on the prediction side, how to make better models to predict the activity of chemical compounds. On the generative side, how to make uh, new compounds, the de novo generation of molecules. And there's also the synthesis uh, that is also uh, quite uh, popular now, how, to, um, how, to, uh, how AI can make a, a reaction path for, uh, to synthesize uh, compounds. So that's the three fields where AI will continue to grow. Great. So a lot of progress ahead. Mustafa, thank you for joining me. Where can people learn more about your services and connect with you? They can connect on the website, uh, startcrowd.club. Uh, that's the main gate to, to communicate. Or the blog on the Medium blog. Okay. And I'll put some links up to those sites with the post when this podcast goes up. Thank you so much for joining me and, and for your time. I really appreciate it. I, I learned a lot. I, I thought that the article you wrote sparked some great conversation and I look forward to reading more. Okay, thank you, Simon. You just listened to my conversation with Mustafa Benhenda of StarCrowd. 
I hope that you enjoyed it. If you want to catch future interviews, be sure to subscribe. Just look for Artificial Intelligence in Drug Discovery in your favorite podcast player. Then hit the subscribe button. Until our next episode, be well and work smart. <laughs>